Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, Hum by Verizon, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. And thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek podcast number 185 here at MotorWeek Central Studio C and beautiful downtown Owings Mills, Maryland. I have around our table today our writer-producer, Brian Robinson. Thanks for having me, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hello, everyone. And you are welcome. FYI reporter, Stephanie Hart. Hi, thanks for having me. And our video producer, editor, Joe Ligo, is uh, on camera and on mic today. Uh, Lucky got, me. We, absolutely. <laughs> We're all lucky, Joe. And we've got one, two, three, four big things to cover, plus viewer questions, a rant and rave, if anyone can think of something they'd like to, to get out there. And we're going to start with um, a vehicle that actually has been out for a little bit of a while, but we finally got our hands on one here at the office to, so everyone could drive it. And that's the 2018 Nissan LEAF. Um, I'll set it up a little bit. This is second generation. It has more powerful uh, electric motor. It has a bigger battery and a still bigger battery yet to come. Current range is about 150 miles, uh, as, as so Nissan says, although uh, just getting into it today, it showed like 173. Um, what do you think? It's an interesting little car. Uh, my personal uh, feeling is a big improvement over the previous one, but is that enough? That's a good question. Is that enough? Yeah. <laughs> Styling-wise, I'd say it takes a big jump over the last one. Does that mean you like it, hate it, or what? No, no, I, I like it. I think it looks, it doesn't try and scream electric to you like the, maybe the last one did a little bit. Or milk toast. I didn't You're think right, it really yeah. looked that much different. I mean, yeah, I, I think it still screams electric to me. I like yeah. it from the outside. It I took a, a brief ride in it. It was a little bit hard for me to get comfortable in it right away. Seats are kind of hard. Yeah, and it needs a telly wheel, honestly. I don't know if it's available or not. It tilts, but it doesn't really even tilt that great. Mm -hmm. But I was eventually able to find a quasi-comfortable position. And a couple of things I really like about the car are the um, the ability to – it's an easy switch to turn off all the regenerative braking. Yeah, that is nice. The, that the E pedal. Yeah, and with yeah. it off, it brakes just like a conventional car. And the other thing I liked was the eco button. When you hit it, it really I'm, – I'm going to call it a throttle. I mean, until Webster's changes the yeah. definition. Technically, it's a Rio stat. But anyway, <laughs> in eco, the throttle mapping is really gentle. It doesn't – and it gradually gives you power, a lot like a conventional car. Uh, so if you were to put anybody in this car that might not be comfortable driving an EV car and hit an eco button – and turn the uh, turn the regen brake off. The thing handles feels just like a conventional economy gas car, and that that to me is awesome. Brian or yeah. or Joe? I haven't really uh, spent much time with it, but I think it is still the number one selling EV, right? Yeah, um, I believe it is. Yeah. I would say the Bolt has uh, better numbers as far as range, but I think the Leaf is still cheaper and uh, still one everyone's familiar with. So I think the Bolts more fun to drive than this even than than this improved one um i i don't remember the rear being quite as tall on the older one i know it was it was taller than say the volt 
but it seems to have adopted a little more of that quasi SUV look, which the Bolt has proven very successful with. There is, uh, if everyone says, wait a minute, it doesn't get the mileage uh, range that a uh, Bolt does, they're right, but they're getting ready to come out with a larger battery and the Leaf uh, 60 kilowatt hour, which is the same as the Bolt, so it'll probably pretty much match it in range. We don't include i3s in these direct comparisons, like we always default. I think to we Bolt do, bec- but with only a hundred mile range, that's sort of barely, becoming yeah, you know barely. barely the one we just uh, had was one forty though, but that's that with the gas. That's in the gas. No, you don't right. get the range extender. It was a hundred. Yeah. Every time I saw it full charge, it said one hundred and forty. It's not. It's not EPA uh, at that. Yeah, not even. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I must true. say, I must say, I've not had a chance to. I never got that kind of mileage. But anyway, yeah, I think the i3 is in a, a little bit different class, but I like the More i3. More expensive. Yeah. I like the i3 a lot. More expensive and smaller. Yeah. Not nearly as practical. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see. I think the the Leaf kind of quietly, like you said, it's the best-selling SUV, it but was. it does I'm it kind of quietly. EV. I'm EV. sorry, EV. I'm sorry. And I'm not so sure it is anymore. It was at one time. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. So I'm, I'm interested to see what this generation will do, whether it'll kind of st- still be like in its own little niche, or is it going to, with the bigger batteries, is it going to expand to a wider market? I mean, it's surely people aren't going to cross-shop it against you know a Model S or anything like no, that. No, but, but they'll cross-shop it against a Bolt. Yeah, which so, currently is kind of the mileage champ for the money. Yeah, so I, I'm just curious to see how. I think also Nissan has kind of quietly built this infrastructure for these. That if you're shopping for a car and you think, well, it's all kinds of places I could take it to get it fixed. There's dealer support. There's parts support. It's not, you know, it's not doesn't seem like a regional thing like you know maybe Teslas are in some ways that you know you have to have a store within you know 50 miles to feel comfortable about getting work done. I mean, Nissan's been at this a long time. They they did a pretty good job of marketing, I think, the first Leaf. And I think they've actually done a better job than Chevy has done with the Bolt. So, But I think it's nice car. It feels very roomy inside. Um, you know, maybe not as much fun to drive as something else, but uh, most people don't buy a car for fun to drive anyway. I haven't driven it yet, but I want to. I like the Did I like you, the look. You've, Similar like, to, you've been around it. Yeah. So what do you think of the look? Um, I sort of agree with what Joe says. Yeah. I, I like the look of it, and it's pretty stylish. Doesn't scream EV to me. So yeah. it does have that front end that we've gotten used to on Nissans since the Maximo, and now right, on, the, on just what, about the V motion yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, Nissan Leaf uh, MSRP starting at just under thirty. Is that that's without the. Um, with or without the uh, the uh, rebate, the gov- the tax rebates. Uh, I would imagine that's without. That's yeah, without. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the car we have out here, I should mention this: the um, the technology package does include their Pro Pilot semi-autonomous driving feature, which is fairly limited. It'll keep you centered in the lanes if you take a gentle curve or you're on a straightaway. It allows you to take your hands off the wheels for a few seconds before it starts letting you know you're in trouble uh and you know it you just wonder like a lot of these systems what the real value of it is at this point but it does have that and it does affect some other features before i leave it so who's actually driven it ben drove it mm-hmm. joe did you i drove the last okay. one i haven't driven and, this one yet well you know like the bolt this when you put the regen braking on it you can do one pedal driving right yeah 
What do you think about one-pedal driving, where you just use the accelerator and you let the regenerative braking pretty much stop you? Does that appeal to you? I like the idea, but it would be something you'd have to get used to. Brian? Uh, I love it. I drove that I-3 we had in a lot. It, it and would you, do that. That's and, right. Yeah, you pretty much never had to touch the brake, and, except for an emergency situation. No, I, I didn't mind it at all. I, I think it works well. I like it a lot, but I... I think there's room for a, um, I like it when you can dial in exactly how much regen you want. Which uh, most of them yeah, you can you do can. That. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I'm going to be the odd one out then and say, <laughs> I I have, I'm the kind of like gas mileage, hyper miler guy in, in gas cars. So I'm super used to just like putting it in neutral and coasting downhill. Ah, without, I know oh, that like. You should not <laughs> admit that. It's a very unsafe thing to do. It's so I'm, I'm not. Out of here, I, Joe. I don't. <laughs> I don't like the idea of having to always have my my foot on the pedal when I'm driving. I like to be well, able to let you know, off and like let. I'm used to momentum carrying me, even though I know putting it in maximum regen mode is what's best for your range, which is kind of the opposite of a gas car where you kind of like want to coast as you much want to stay as you off can. The break. The, uh, I like the bolt because you've got the pedals. I do on like the, that. On the, 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 uh, steering, the wheel. steering wheel handle, so you can actually use that instead of your foot to stop you. Yeah. Anyway. So, Maybe I'll be a convert eventually. I don't know. I didn't like time. it at first, but I've kind of, when I do drive it now, it's like, okay, this is not so bad. Uh, 2019 Jeep Cherokee. Uh, the Cherokee has gotten a freshening uh, new face because basically an awful lot of people hated the original styling, which was so un-Jeep. Uh, yeah. It's got a host of other improvements. Um, I think it certainly looks better now. Any other comments? Yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much everyone hated on that when it came out in 14. But, yeah, people bought them like crazy. Like I crazy. Mean, yeah, mm -hmm. they sold a, a ton of those things. So, you know, obviously it needed updated, and they have. The biggest thing for me, that that was one of the first uh, FCA vehicles to have the 9-speed. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was just horrible programming and uh, just the way it worked. And they've definitely got that squared away. Plus the new 2-liter engine, I think it works better with that as well. So much better driving experience and... I'm not sure it looks that much better. It looks a little I'm more. I'm not sure it looks that much different. Yeah. I mean, they didn't move the marker lights or anything. No, else. well, that we we had one on the yeah. we had one on the Goss set and had it up on the lift for a segment that they were shooting for Goss's garage, and we looked at it and we're kind of like, I think all of the changed parts are just in the plastic. I don't think. I don't like it's all in the plastic grill and bumper and stuff. Well, yeah, I don't they think they actually the, structure. The, the sheet metal doesn't have any actual changes. It's, it's just not a new gen. It's just yeah. an right. update. So, so yeah. there's probably somebody at Chrysler who they're like, find the cheapest way to redesign that front end and don't change any of the body panels, but move the lights around. But and isn't it amazing <laughs> what when you change the details oh, yeah. that you really can change the overall appearance mm -hmm. of something? Ben, you've been quiet. Ben, uh, ben I should say, is our. <laughs> is our real off-road guy so uh I, I agree with everybody that i didn't see a whole lot of changes i didn't get a chance to drive this particular refresh yet but um but i like i, I was one of the few people that really liked the the original one so yeah a friend of mine has the original one he, he swears by it but I, I agree with you that that nine speed is definitely the longer fca has had that nine speed transmission mm -hmm. the more kinks they've worked out of it and it's funny because it's mostly computer stuff it's not any mechanical changes right, it's just, just software updates yeah. software updates i thought i drove like a totally different vehicle from that aspect the whole drivetrain smoothness has just jumped way way up on it and and do you think jeep is trying to move this up market a little since the new compass is a little bit bigger and a little bit 
nicer. Like, I'm sure they'd like to be able to charge as much money as they possibly can for it. So, yeah, I think, although the one that... Um, and three powertrains is kind of interesting because some of the, like, you know, you've got a lot of choices there between the four-wheel drives and the engines. I guess there's only one transmission, but... I mean, this, the as I remember, um, the Cherokee is based on the same chassis that they use for the Dodge Dart. Yeah, and, which, ironically enough, has gone away. Yeah, has gone Cherokee away. Soldiers um, on. But this is primarily a uh, U.S. engineered chassis, although I think it probably does have some Fiat roots to it. But I think that makes it very different than a lot than all the rest of the smaller "quote unquote" Jeeps, which are clearly uh, based on more uh, Fiat. Fiat. And uh, so it just has a sturdier feel to it, I, I personally think, which I like, and I think cheap owners do too. I agree with you. I drove that one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was great. Wonderful power. Felt, made me feel really confident behind the wheel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, all hail the Cherokee. I'm an old Cherokee guy. I love Cherokees, and I, and I think it'll XJ so. for life. Right? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, Stephanie, since you spoke up, let's move on to a a vehicle that you know more about than the rest of us, the 2019 Lexus ES. The uh, once upon a time, this was the the vehicle that kept Lexus alive, and I think it's still probably their best-selling car, but I'm not sure about that. I I don't know if the IS is. What? Oh, car, car, yeah. 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 I'm sure the RX. Oh, the RX keeps is the best-selling SUV. Anyway, the ES 300, uh, 350, and 300H, the hybrid models, very important vehicles to Lexus. And more proof that while some are dropping mid-size sedans, Toyota slash Lexus is basically still investing in them. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? So 302 horsepower V6, smooth ride, a lot of power, quiet cabin. Uh, felt very comfortable inside, luxurious inside and out. I mean, I loved it. Do you think it felt it like a true luxury car? Because in the beginning, the ES was like, yeah, it's a Lexus, but it's like a dolled-up Toyota. So. Yeah, I definitely uh, don't feel like it was a dolled-up Toyota Not at all. Not a dolled-up Camry. <laughs> no, and I've driven Camrys, I've yeah. driven Corollas. So, no, this was definitely um, a luxury vehicle. They've put an awful lot of the features of the even the LS available on the uh-huh. car. So there's, they're fo- sort of following, I think, the BMW Mercedes route in that well, aspect. Trickle down. Luxury. Trickle down, but trickle down awfully fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It has mm-hmm. the whole, and you said you said in your first look video, it has Amazon, Alexa, or whatever, and yeah. all the voice stuff. Which oh, yeah, it's awesome. You can get packages delivered to your car. I don't know who would want oh, to yeah, do that. Oh, yeah, that's the new Amazon thing. But apparently, yeah, yeah you can walk, it's pretty you hot. Can, that's Amazon's <laughs> newest delivery system. You can tell them where the car is parked, and they will find the car and it's unlock the door. Yeah. Yeah. Even wow. though I probably yeah. wouldn't use that specific service, I think it's good for Toyota because some of their infotainment systems have lagged a little bit mm-hmm. behind the rest of the market, and so... So getting Amazon in there allows them to kind of leapfrog mm-hmm. maybe some of the competitors a little bit on that. You know, when you think about it, Lexus has got, short of this, the Europeans, has got one of the most extensive sedan lines still out there. Because, mm-hmm. right, they've got they've got four sedans still. E- like ES. IS, ES, GS, mm-hmm. and LS. I mean, that's a lot of sedans in a market where sedans are 
are going away. It'll be wonder, interesting to see if they continue wonder if that the, commitment. They'll drop the GS or one of those middle ones in there, maybe? I thought they were going to drop the GS for years, but they've sort of made that into their larger performance platform using the IS as the smaller ones. But the ES, actually, you can now get as a performance model, correct? You can get an ES F-Sport. And that's the first time for that. Yeah, and I drove that, and what a ride. I could drive that for hours. Really peppy. Um, it was luxurious, but had a little edge to it, which I really liked. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, the engine's the same, but they did a lot to the suspension. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, did you drive the, the hybrid version at all? I didn't get a chance to drive that. Um, basically, I think it's the same system that, that Toyota is using in the uh, Camry hybrid. So uh, based on that, we know it's smooth, capable, and probably bulletproof. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious how many of those they actually sell. But and you see yeah. a lot of them in California. Yeah. And uh, actually, I used, to, I used to see quite a few of them in Florida. So, hmm. OK, we're going to stick with Stephanie because she did something very <laughs> special. Um, she recently went to the first ever Greenbrier Concours event. And folks that are not familiar with Greenbrier, it's this very famous, very old resort in West Virginia that has probably entertained as many presidents as the White House has. Yeah. Anyway, tell us about the event. Uh, was it successful? What did what was your experience? Uh, and, uh, you know, for should people put it on their calendar? Oh, yeah, for sure. A hundred of the finest cars from around the world were there. And I mean, some really, really spectacular cars. And Greenbrier is 1,100 acres, if you're, you guys aren't familiar with that. Jeez. It's wow. nestled between the Allegheny Mountains in West Virginia and just opulence everywhere you look. So this was the perfect setting for the Concorde d'Elegance. Now, there was some speculation before they did this that they wouldn't get the turnout they were expected. Any idea how many cars they had? Um, about a hundred. Okay. Now we did have some rain. We were fighting bad weather, but still people turned out. Um, everyone was happy to be there. And I mean, the cars were just awesome. What car stood out? So (laughs) I actually sat in Mr. Marriott's TRC Ferrari from 1957. Wow. Sweet. Okay. That's pretty sweet. (laughs) <laughs> I interviewed the car's caretaker. Wouldn't you want that job? Come on. <laughs> Unbelievable. Got that job. <laughs> <laughs> so so it's like full time. He just works for the owner of this car yes. and just keeps it like Well, perfect. he's probably got more than one car he looks after. Yes, yeah. he drives the cars to different car shows and uh-huh. concours. So I did have to take my shoes off before I got in the car. <laughs> but the- I didn't mind. Wow. So I sat in there and uh, we did an interview and I, I learned about the car and everything. And it was it was really awesome. It's like I said, it's a gentleman's racer worth five million dollars. Um, and and yeah, it, it was just had an amazing story. So I'm looking forward to telling more more about that in my FYI segment. Uh, the Greenbrier uh, folks uh, were were very, very uh, nice and accommodating uh, to us, which is accommodating television crews is not always the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. So we want to thank them for all of that and yeah. um, and for the opportunity to cover the event for the first time they ever did it. Oh, yeah, it was just amazing. Wow. Let's yeah, move um, on to our viewer question. Um, Tariq, uh, via email, has asked, uh, I bought a used car in 2017. Good for you. And I didn't know the previous owner was a smoker. 
Mm. I've tried ozone treatment, chlorine treatment, replaced the floor mats, had the interior mm. detail twice, and replaced the cabin air filter twice. The car still smells like cigarettes, especially when the air conditioner are on. Is there anything else I can do before I just sell it? <laughs> Change a headliner out. Ooh. It gets into everything. Yeah. It gets into the headliner. It gets into the uh, insulation that's under the carpet. It soaks into the plastic. Yeah. It. Uh, I'm not sure what. I don't know how you would have gotten in the car and taken it for a test drive without figuring it out. Uh, Tariq, I wish I had some solution for you, but I remember I think the last time that uh, uh, Pat Goss was asked uh, about this. Uh, he said, short of replacing all of the materials, uh, like carpets and so forth, there's not too much you can do to eliminate it completely. Now, if it is coming out of the air conditioner, it is possible, and you've probably tried this, uh, that you can use some uh, things like um, spray air fresheners and spray, um, what's there, the disinfectant? A, well, there's a product Goss had, I was thinking like Lysol, Febreze, yeah, that Lysol. kind of thing. But there's a product Goss had called, he a, talked a, about once where. Friggy Fresh. Friggy yeah. Fresh. Yeah. It's like an expanding foam, and you have to, which I hate the idea of doing this, but you have to drill a hole into like your HVAC system under the hood, put a little hose in, fill it with this foam that expands out, and then I don't know if you suck the foam back out after. It's, it's supposed to work on mold if you get mold in right. your AC system, but I would assume it would help take out the odor of, of that stuff too. On but, that aspect, I, I would assume, Tariq, what you might want to do is um, find a technician who specializes, a shop that specializes in air conditioning systems. Yeah. But, I, but just doing that, I don't think is going to eliminate your yeah, problem. I mean, when I bought my first car, it still had, you know, it was like a used 10-year-old car that had a faint smell of smoke in it. And what I did is... I just opened the windows on a summer day and just let it sit basically for a week with the windows open outside. And that helped a lot. I mean, it didn't make it perfect, but that even just that made a huge difference. Yeah. Of course, don't let it get rained on or, you know, that sort of thing. But just sit outside. <laughs> on it will a, smell like wet smoke. Right, right. So just that's what I did is I just let my car sit outside with the windows down for days on end. And that helped. But, you know, eventually I just kind of got used to the smell. You know, you're 16. You're just glad to have a car at that point. Ben, have you ever had an experience? It seems like either I get used to it or it just eventually leaves, but I've never, I've had vehicles that have a smell to them, yeah. and it seems to eventually go away to me unless I'm nose blind to it at this point. No, I, I do think there's something to be said for that. If you drive <laughs> the same vehicle every day, I think your, your nose becomes mm -hmm. desensitized to it. That or a old fashioned uh, baking soda. Yeah, yeah I was well, just going to say a, 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 I mean, a lasagna pan great. full of like yeah, baking soda right. <laughs> because that way it doesn't yep. slide around and spill yes. out on your seats. But yeah, just dump a mm -hmm. bunch of arm and hammer in there. And yeah. Yeah. Tariq just got That's more answers than, than was bargained for. <laughs> Thanks. Hope some of that helps. Uh, if not, let us know and we'll uh, we'll take it to the next level. Before we close out this uh, podcast, anyone got uh, some rant and rave? Um, usually we always have something about traffic or driving that's driving us nuts, but anything? Uh, let me throw one out there. Um, a lot of the new cars are coming. Almost every car we get now has some form of lane keep assist mm -hmm. in them. I don't know about you. I understand these are safe safety features but they drive me crazy <laughs> is it that we're all such poor drivers that we're constantly challenging the the width of the lane we can't stay in the road and something's either beeping or you know or the light comes on or in the nissan leaf the steering wheel keeps to buzz 
I guess it's not a surprise that almost every test car that I get in that we've had in the shop here for more than a day or two, the system's turned off. Yeah. But does that does some of these new system, systems, are, are they just crazy bothersome well, to you? To me, yeah. But uh, uh, on the opposite side of the stone, more and more people are getting licenses, and these people that are getting licenses are more and more crazy phone savvy oh, I'd phone say. savvy okay yeah. that's, there we that's go. a euphemism yeah, so i agree with that i do like that uh, that technology is yeah. there it's so that when <laughs> the person me. is getting protecting them and protecting right, us right. Uh, i think it depends on the manufacturer some I systems agree, are yeah. better than others i had one that mm-hmm. almost put me into oncoming traffic <laughs> once because it just got confused and you know it started yeah. I'm like no 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 <laughs> i find the automatic braking systems do that a lot uh this um uh recently on a big trip that I took, every time I got to a corner and there was a vehicle in the other lane, all the bells and whistles started lighting mm-hmm. up and saying, brake, brake, brake. So it's was that, I find that more so in Hondas than anything It was else. the Honda Odyssey yeah. that we have, and I love yeah. the Honda Odyssey, don't get me wrong. But the systems, and it will keep you safe because uh-huh. it is letting you know that, you know, if that person in the other lane was doing something wrong, you know, it, it's. I guess it's better to be... Too sensitive to not sensitive yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I like it, but it depends on the manufacturer as well. Yeah. Some beep more than others. It just seems well, they like get your attention. They do. All right. Well, anyway, we may not like them, but we think they're safer. Is that a good just? Anybody yeah, else? Yeah, much like autonomous like driving, I've said before, uh, yeah. it's not for me, but I'm glad uh, everyone else has it, and you're using all of as the safety. Long, as long as you can turn it yeah. off, still, I'm cool. That's I think the <laughs> I biggest like it thing. On and I like it. If yeah. there's a switch, I, I don't like when they take away my options. I like the option of having it or having it turned off. I get annoyed when they mm-hmm. when they make it so you can't change it. When that's, I, that's tough. When I can't turn off auto stop start. Oh, that's no. a deal that's another for one. Me. I would leave that car on the lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people really hate auto stop start. They just hate it. It's. Uh, I personally have gotten used to it. I don't care. But so you, you like bo- to be able to turn it off. But I think ahead. I'm more bothered by the principle of it than by the the action of it. It's all care. it's all about getting that little extra fuel economy out. So starter be damned, right? I think if you can't turn it off, I'm not sure they can use it in the EPA. If you can turn it off, I don't think it can count towards the EPA uh, mileage, but I'm not sure about that. That sounds like something yeah. that they would do. Yeah, so it has to be. I mean, it's on the vehicles primarily for that. And that leads us into the problem, um, something we'll probably be talking about again very soon, which is the whole 42-volt electrical system that makes some of these things work better than others. Mm. Yeah, well, that'll be another future lightning round. Yeah. Brian, any um, anything, comment you want to make to close out the show? Uh, no, I got nothing. All <laughs> right. I guess that's it. For Brian, Ben, Stephanie, Joe, and myself, thank you very much for listening. And for those of you watching on our video podcast, our Motor Week uh, podcast 185 Uh, please watch us every week on your public television station or you can catch us on the velocity channel if you're not sure where to find us go to motorweek.org pull down at the top about the show you'll find a very a new station finder that we've only been using for a couple of months Put in your zip code or your city, and it instantly takes you to uh, a detailed listing of where you can watch us. Uh, Just watch our YouTube channel. Uh, We've got a growing audience there, and we'd love to have more of you. 
Befriend us on Facebook. What else can I say? Is there anything we've missed? Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, Instagram Twitter. If it's out there, you <laughs> can space. find Motor Week. Thanks MySpace. very much. We're on MySpace. My, no, are we on MySpace? No. Oh, well, can't be everywhere. Thanks very much for listening and watching. I'm John Davis for all of us at Motor Week. We'll see you soon. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, WeatherTech, Hum by Verizon, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch MotorWeek, television's longest-running automotive magazine series each week on your local PBS station.